You are listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. And welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we are from MindRobber.net, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts. Specifically this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. The Mind Robbers Versus, where we pick a show we love and talk about it episode by episode. Currently, we're covering Batman the Animated Series. And then our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. If you like our shows, you can review them on iTunes, unless it's a negative review, in which case keep that to yourself because you're just being a jerk. Uh, just to be a jerk, really. You're not helping anybody. Uh, and if you have questions, comments, concerns, any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, if you have a negative review to give us that you want us to know about, you can email them to us. Email them to us at podcast at mindrobber.net, uh, and we will respond to you uh, either on the show or uh, we'll reply to your email. Um, but if you want to start a discussion with us and other listeners, then you're going to want to go to mindrubber.net and leave a comment on the post for this episode or the episode that you want to talk about, uh, so that everyone can know what you're thinking. And then most of all, please, please, please tell people that you know, that you listen, that you like the show and that they should listen to, uh, especially if they like Dr. Who, because... Uh, that's what the show's all about. If they didn't like Doctor Who, I don't know why they would listen. That would be weird. Um, and it would they would probably leave a very interesting uh, review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, today we're talking about The Shakespeare Code, which is a 10th Doctor third season story. Uh, David Tennant, uh, Martha Jones, Freeman Agumon, um, that whole era of stuff. Uh, yes. This is this is Martha's second episode. This is her first uh, traveling episode, um, and uh, this one uh, this one gets forgotten. I think I really think it does. Uh, I don't know what's what's the background and significance for this one. Uh, well, like you said, it is the first appearance of Martha Jones outside of her introductory story, um, and it's uh, uh, it's that. Um, it's also written by Gareth Roberts. This is his first official Doctor Who on TV author credit he had previously been around writing novels um and audio plays most perhaps most well known for the one doctor which if you haven't heard it is the best funniest graham williams story ever made um uh so this is his first appearance writing it comes because he loves shakespeare and pitched a story to to russell t davies about uh shakespeare and uh like a pseudo historical from that perspective it's directed by charles palmer who um directed smith and jones before this um which was the uh, like Mm. we said the introduction to martha jones and he also directed human nature and the family of blood so the guys clearly got some uh good stuff going on Mm -hmm. um 
And that's really kind of where it comes from. I think the most interesting thing in the uh, background behind the scenes of it is that there was originally a sword fight in this episode um, when the doctor confronts the main Carrionite. Uh, he was supposed to fight her with a sword, but it turned into a um, uh, 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 like a wordplay situation, which still works, but I love sword fighting, so there you go. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the stuntman got injured, according to Russell T. Davies, although... The, my source says differently, but for Muscle T. Davies, I'll take him over the source. So uh, there you go. Fair enough. And that's the Shakespeare Code. All right. All right. Well, uh, before we talk about it, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition at 35 to 45% off, plus new release specials at 50% off every Wednesday. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So uh, pack that shipment full of omnibus. Uh, thanks to InStockTrades.com. Omniboo. Plural of omnibus. The best is that this is going to air before that one airs. So <laughs> think of that. Think of that. Omniboo. Omniboo. Uh, omniboo. Uh, all right. So the Shakespeare Code. Uh, like I said, I think this is one that people forget a lot about. My only complaint with this one which was not a complaint when I watched it originally, but I was way more into this sort of thing uh, when I watched it originally. I now watching it, I'm like, uh, can we, can we, can we, can we stop with the pop culture references? Because there is a lot in here, um, like a lot of pop culture references. Um, and like at the time, like I loved them because I was like way into pop culture. You've listened to Geek by Night. Um, <laughs> I, I I have listened to uh, the pop culture of Deep by Night, if that's what you're wondering. Yes, <laughs> that's what I mean. Um, uh, so, you know, I was a different person back then, so I loved this a lot more than um, than I do now. I'm meaning specifically the pop culture stuff. Um, but uh, other than that, like, I think this is really interesting. Like, I like... I like the the uh, the pseudoscience of witches in this, and how like spoken word spells um, are a form of science to these uh, to this alien species. Uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, I you know I, I I really like that. Like I think it's uh, I think it's cool. It's it's very Doctor Who thing to do because it's very cheap to do. Um, and uh, uh, the guy that plays Shakespeare um, is interesting. It's an interesting take on Shakespeare, <laughs> um, but one that I don't, I, 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 I do find myself enjoying, um, despite it's probably riddled with historical inaccuracies. <laughs> but that's fine. Um, like most, mostly because, like, didn't people not like Shakespeare? At the time, people were snobs. Like people yeah. who were intellectuals, really didn't like Shakespeare because they thought that he was um, he was a little light on the tongue. Honey tongue is the word that they used. Um, but he was very populist and very popular. Um, there's a re- oh, okay. there's a reason the plays have lasted this long, and it's not because they still hold up. It's because that they were that popular when they were around. The guy basically reinvented the English language. Um, I mean, I know that's probably overstating it, but. The guy, the 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 effect that this guy has had over uh, English, it cannot be overstated. Um, the guy was a visionary. The guy was a genius. Um, and yes, he was one guy. He wasn't a conglomerate of people. I guess Shakespeare has never been a thing that they've covered on the show before. This, uh, not that I remember. Um, I, I could, that he could be, uh, but I don't. I don't think he was. Um, 
If Interesting. He, yeah. If he was, it wasn't like in a prominent sort of way. Um, uh, well, they did Big Finish did some audio uh, stuff with him. Um, and I'm sure that he's shown up mm. in some prose novels I'm not aware of. I mean, The Kingmaker was a story about uh, Shakespeare, but I'm not sure if this predated The Kingmaker. Oh, and he appeared in The Chase. That's who he was. He was in. I was like, he was in the. He was in the classic series. He he has a cameo in The Chase as um, they they turn on a TV and and wa- a time TV and watch Shakespeare. So um, that that's the one really. And he's a <laughs> key funny. point in uh, Time of the Daleks, which is an Eighth Doctor story that's not very good. So um, there it is. There it is. Mm. Yeah. Time TV. I like that. Yeah, I like it too. Actually, it's funny because apparently the the Kingmaker, which is a an, uh, a Fifth Doctor audio play, which I didn't particularly like, came out at exactly the same time that this story did. Oh, weird! Like it aired. They aired within. Um, I, let me see what the exact date was. Yeah, they aired within. They aired in the same month. So the Kingmaker was released in August two thousand six, and this came out. Or wait, no, this came out in August two thousand seven. Never mind. This mm. came out a year after that one. I apologize. Mm. Um, Got my ears crossed. Uh, well, yeah, it's easy to do. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I think that this has a this this episode has a lot going for it. Um, I just, I, uh, I the pop culture stuff uh, got under my skin. Um, when you say also the the what's that? When you say pop culture, you mean the Harry Potter stuff specifically, or like the Harry Potter stuff? And there was other things too. Um, it wasn't just Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. There were ah, now I don't remember what it was, but there was there was another there was like t- uh, another line or two where they talked about something. Oh, Back to the Future. Ah, that was another thing, and then there was one other thing too, and I was just like, man, they're really driving home the pop culture references, it's like more so than I've ever seen on the sh- do, the show do before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just. Something that that stuck out to me sure. watching it this time. Sure, sure. Um, but I, uh, you know, I love David Tennant in this. I love uh, Freeman Agumon in this. Um, I think that uh, uh, I think the really uh, this is early in this, and I think that they're pushing the Martha Doctor, the Martha Crush, a little too hard, too early. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's that whole like bed sequence where she gets mad because he doesn't want to sleep with her or yes. something. And I'm like, that's, that's, uh, that's a lot. Um, that's, that's a lot way too soon. I think. <laughs> I don't know. See, I, I read that more as she's just frustrated that he doesn't see that she is in love with him. And she's frustrated by the fact that he kind of led her on in Smith and Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, like he definitely walked in and you know kissed her on the first date, and she thinks that he likes her, and she can't see that he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I read it. I didn't see that she was frustrated that he wouldn't sleep with her. Um, Maybe it's because they were on a bed. Um, yeah, the bed is very specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I just it's 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 just I just I still think it's too much too soon. Um, and maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't read that way if they weren't on a bed. Um, but the bed amps up. The sexual tension, or, or in this case, the very one-sided sexual tension, and it's, and it's weird this early. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I also think it's interesting because that plays very differently out of context. Because um, if if you if you watch Smith and Jones, I'm wondering if you watch Smith and Jones and then watch this right away. I wonder if it would play as weird. Mm, um, maybe that's true. Because. 
because it is pronounced here, especially in that scene, mm-hmm. um, and not really anywhere else in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but but you can tell that she's really into him. It's just that I love that he's clueless that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my thing. And I like that he's talking about like not seeing something in front of his face while not seeing something in front of his face. Like that that's all good. Like I like all that. Yeah, all the subtext and stuff mm-hmm. is really really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I uh, I love this episode like a lot. Uh, I think that if <laughs> if there's a problem with it, it's that it's stuck between Smith and Jones, which is a hard reboot for the series. Um, after the departure of Rose, which we talked about when we talked about it, mm-hmm. um, but and between Gridlock, which I think is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but this is really amazing. And watching this, I was just blown away by how much I love series three of this show. Um, and if it wasn't for that one disc, yeah, <laughs> on the DVD set, this would probably be my favorite season. Um, like hands down, if they didn't spin their wheels for four more or less mediocre stories, middling like from middling to awful, um, just I think this would be my favorite series because this episode is everything, and I mean everything I want from Doctor Who, especially a Doctor Who pseudo historical, because um, mm-hmm. it is like I mean it does. It's interesting how Gareth Roberts really blends. I mean, we talked about it very recently. This is really just a modern Doctor Who version of the Romans um, in a lot of ways. Because the Romans takes a very uh, fast and loose approach to history um, and and plays it for comedy and laughs and just a romp and adventure and have a good time. This comes exactly from that, only it adds in the sci-fi twist, which is like the pseudo-historical. And um, I love all of the Shakespeare references. Like, as a mm-hmm. massive Shakespeare nerd... Every time that they do anything regarding his character, I'm just like, I know that they're baiting me. But at the same time, I I have a hard time, like, complaining because if you get a Shakespeare story, isn't this kind of what you want from a Shakespeare story? Don't mm-hmm. you want to see all of the all of the setups and all the payoffs from Shakespeare's long and storied history um, and 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 um, life? And I love. I love all of that. Like, all of those things are really just clever and fun to me, and I just... I can't get enough of them, honestly. I know that there's a lot, but I just... I don't care. Uh, it's just it's just really cool. And it's also one of those things where it's like, the better you know Shakespeare, the more you get from it. I mean, everyone knows the to be and not to be, or um, all the world's a stage, but, like, it goes... Like, they go and dig down real deep, and you can tell that Garrett Roberts is just a massive Shakespeare nerd. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really, really, really great. Um... The other thing I'll mention is I love the theater. Um, the Old Globe is a really great like choice of you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and they had to get a lot of per- they had to get real special permission, and they were like the first show to do it. But I mean, I've stood where the Doctor was standing when they do that masterful, like, sp- like spin shot around him or panning shot where they mm-hmm. show off the the globe itself, and like I've stood where he's standing there, and it's like, and it's one of those things where it just feels magical. It feels like he's right there, even though like I know that he's standing in the place as it's been rebuilt. Like it still feels really awesome, and it still helps build like everything. You know what I mean? Like it just it just mm-hmm. it just so works, and I love that it's just a smart use of um just that mm-hmm. you know oh 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 okay before i forget sorry the other no that's good i was over the that. other the other pop culture reference fredonia it's a it's a reference to duck soup um the oh, marx brothers movie yeah oh yeah okay sorry fair enough that's no that's 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 fine <laughs> um and but honestly my my thing is um 
the Back to the Future stuff and the, and the Fredonia stuff, I mind a little bit more as a pop culture, like, I, I know this um, thing. But what I love about the Harry Potter stuff, and I will never complain about the Harry Potter stuff, is specifically not just because <laughs> they they throw it in as a uh, as a uh, like a thing where he's like, oh, I've read the seventh book and you'll cry, even though this came out like three months before the seventh book came mm-hmm. out. Um, I love I love that the solution to it is Harry Potter. Like yeah. that is like that whole thing is just like such whip smart, <laughs> clever use of. Harry Potter and the first time I saw this episode I remember just watching it and I was I was blowing through the show at this point but I was watching this and I got to I was like I was like god it's Shakespeare and there's witches and there's voodoo like what else are they gonna do and then all of a sudden they they do the Expelliarmus line and I lost my brain I just started laughing because I was like that is too good (laughs) like that is way too good and I can't oh I love that it's just oh, it's such a brilliant use of of, of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. like brilliant, brilliant, brilliant use. No, um, if it was just the Harry Potter stuff, like that would be fine. Yeah, um, it was it yeah. was the other stuff on top of the Harry Potter that yes. was like okay, that's that's a lot. Yes. Um, no, a- absolutely, absolutely. I uh, it also we should reference the fact that like this whole Elizabeth story. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just weird. Um, <laughs> it's weird. I mean, there's nothing else to say about it other than it's weird. Like, I remember seeing this the first time being like, oh, that's funny. I'm sure that's going to come back. And then it finally does in the end of time when, when the doctor, like, references the fact that she can't she, – she, she can no longer be called the Virgin Queen. I was like, that seems out of character. <laughs> Like he just went and had a one night stand with the Queen of England? Like really? I yeah. I, it's, that's weird. Um yeah. I, it's a very Moffat thing. I mean we'll talk about it more. Well, but Moffat didn't write end of time. No, I know, but it's a Moffat sort of thing to oh, do. Oh yes. Yeah, no, it's a it's a Moffat sort of thing to do. Then again, I, I, I don't mind it in that context. I love that Davies actually asked that that be thrown in. Like that was a <laughs> that was a Davies edition at the at a very final thing where he's just like, Hey, can you put in this thing at the end with Queen Elizabeth, just as a, like a funny, fun thing, yeah. and I love that it's like kind of like the, just the icing and the sticking the landing on this cake mm-hmm. that is this episode because it's such a, it's 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 awesome because this is a perfect example of how to do a forty-five minute Doctor Who story that is satisfying but never dragging but never feeling like it's rushed. Like it just it gets to the point, it gets there early, and it just has a lot of fun for forty-five minutes, and then you leave. Like. Mm-hmm. This is, like, as far as I'm concerned, this is one of the gold standards of, like, baseline Doctor Who. Like, this is what every Doctor Who story should be doing in a modern context. Like, this is how they should be going. And especially um, in the Russell T. Davies era, like, this is one of the ones where if I if somebody asked me, like, what's a Russell T. Davies era story like, this is one that I would throw at them because this is, yes. like, everything. Yeah, all, all all wrapped up in a tight little bow. There's nothing special about it necessarily, but it's just it's it's everything. This is it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's like that's why I love the Davies era because this is a this is a perfectly emblematic Davies story. Whereas with the Moffat era, I'm a little bit more hard pressed to find something that I find as a perfect baseline Moffat story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the, the 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 level of quality is so impossibly varying whereas this like the Davies are hit some real real heights but it also has some, and it also has some very real lows but it also has a baseline of just 
like perfectly average in a good way. And this is perfectly average in a good way. And it reminds me why I love this show. Mm -hmm. It reminds me why Doctor Who is my favorite show of all time. And this is like, this is one of those episodes that really just pushed it back towards that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, when I started watching, like this is one of those things where I just pointed to it and was just like, this is why, because no other show is doing anything like this. Um, and hitting it so especially well and doing it with such panache. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also love the other thing that I love about this um, really quickly is that the Carrionites, I don't know if you mentioned this before because we've been talking for a while, but the fact that the Carrionites are villains who use language is a brilliant use for Shakespeare in particular because it's a perfect like metaphor for him. And it's like, okay. it's interesting because like in any other sort of story, you'd have the Carrionites would possess Shakespeare and give him the power of language. What I love about it is that Roberts doesn't do that. Roberts gives Shakespeare – it makes it so that Shakespeare has the power of language. It's just that the Carrionites are piggybacking on that to do something nefarious. Mm -hmm. um, that is a very specific distinction that I think is worth noting and commenting on because no other show would do something like that. Like, You know what I mean? Like Every other show would do – Shakespeare was a talentless hack who had no powers except when the witches gave him the power. Um, and then when the witches left, he magically had the power some more. This says, no, he's had the power. And that is so awesome to me. And it mm -hmm. makes it such a wonderful thing. And it's such a clever use of Doctor Who. It's a clever use of villain. And it also means that, like, you're fighting wordsmiths. And it means that the solution comes from words rather than violence, which is a great Doctor Who story. Um, and really, really, really awesome. Um, and I love I love that. Um, and the other, one other thing I'll mention uh, very briefly is I love that the doctor quietly hides the Carrionites away while everyone is celebrating and, and applauding and bowing. The doctor walks up to that Carrionite orb and he carries it out with him like he's he's carrying it at the end of the episode, but he walks away with it. And it's referenced again in the Unicorn and the Wasp. But I love that the doctor, and especially this doctor, carries trophies with him. And I know that it's also because he doesn't want to let the Carrionites out. But there's an interesting thing where he is he is carrying trophies from his victories leading up to the end of the season where he offers to keep the master in a cage for the rest of his life um, in mm -hmm. the TARDIS. And, I, and that's an interesting sort of thing that the doctor is doing that I never really noticed before this. Um, because they don't come back. It's just an interesting character thing that they, mm -hmm. they, they throw in right there. Like he kept his hand and yes, he's a, he's a hoarder. Tenth yeah. doctor is a hoarder. Yeah. But you know what? He's got the room. He's got the room. <laughs> he does have the room. Uh, all this right. Is, no, this is, this is great. This is one of my favorite yeah. episodes in this season. And this is a ridiculously good season. Um, they're all my favorites except for the Dalek two parter 42 and, uh, the Lazarus experiment. This, this episode really reminds me of another episode, but I can't put my finger on which one I'm thinking of. Well, I don't remember what it's reminding you of either. So there you go. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. Cause it's not Vincent and the doctor, although you would think it would be. Um, but it's well, not. Your, your other options are Tooth and Claw, the Charles Dickens episode. Um, uh, let's kill Hitler. I guess maybe I don't know. Oh, and um, uh, the uh, Agatha, uh, uh, the Agatha, Agatha Christie Christ. and um, uh, Victoria, the Queen Victoria werewolf episode. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's not any of those. I don't know what it is, but anyway, <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap it up, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, a site that lets you order 
or pre-order rather all of your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You uh, place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. Regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like. You only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, the Celestial Toymaker. Joy. <laughs> Joy. One of my least favorite stories. One of my least favorite first Doctor stories. Just a terrible story. So dumb. Um, oh, that's just, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Not looking forward <laughs> to it. But on the other side, uh, some good stuff, including The Demons, which is a third Oh, I forgot story. that's so close. Yeah. Oh, my it's, God. It's right here. Uh, the Demons, uh, Dalek, which is Robert Shearman's, uh, uh, <sighs> yeah, ninth, <laughs> ninth Doctor story. And then we're going to end on The Seeds of Death, um, uh, which is the one that we're going to do before we uh, before we get back to uh, New Who coming back. It's the rest of Series 7. So crazy that we're that close. Um it's weird. Mm-hmm. It kind of snakes up on you, doesn't it? It does. Didn't last it really year. Does. But that's because <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Because I, I, we were expecting it to be back in like January, February, but it's like we're like end of March. What? That's so. That's so far away. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's right here. It's right here. <laughs> so we're ending on the seeds of death, which is the second Doctor story, and then we'll be back with more stuff on the other side of New Who. That's the stuff that we're looking at. Yeah. Yeah, I just petered off there, didn't I? Well, you know. In the meantime, though, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, Scott Commentary, where you can follow me as I live tweet the Oscars. Which are uh, over by now, so thank you. Which are over following. by now, so never mind. <laughs> um, but follow me for live tweeting other things. Uh, you missed uh, out. You can, and- still, you can still make it up by following him. He won't spam you except <laughs> when he's uh, watching, so there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um. Uh, and then also check out the Mind Robbers, uh, our flagship podcast where we talk about other things. Um, and then uh, the Mind Robbers versus, uh, where it's our spinoff podcast where we talk about a specific show and break it down episodically. Right now we're covering Batman the Animated Series, and it is fun times. It comes out three times a week. Every episode is twenty minutes or less. Um, so it's uh, very digestible. Very digestible. So you should check that out. Matt, where can people find you? goes down easy like a glass of water. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gungadin. Also my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash Commentary. where if I'm right, I have definitely watched yet another episode of Smash, and if you're not following me, and on all my wonderful thoughts on Smash, you're missing out. So <laughs> fix it. Especially um, since there's not going to be much more. No, no. You're, we're, looking at, we're looking at a very finite ending for Smash. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, and this is, I mean, this is it. I mean, I'm waiting for them to pull it from the schedule, really, honestly, at this point, because uh, they're not getting good ratings. Um, so uh, follow me there for stuff like that. Um, and like Scott said, uh, the Mind Robbers of the Mind Robbers versus, which in this case is Batman, the animated series. Uh, it's all good stuff. And uh, next week we'll be back with the Celestial Toy Maker. God help us, hmm. everyone. All right. <laughs> I like that. That's uh, good. Um, all right, so we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye.